0: Hi everyone, before this episode begins, I want to give a trigger warning for body-focused repetitive behaviors such as trichotillomania or compulsive hair pulling, dermatillomania or compulsive skin picking, as well as panic attacks and self-harm. Yay! Yay! Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hot Water in the Morning, episode 5, I think.
1: Yeah, it is. And today's episode is very exciting, but I'm Joyce.
0: I'm Jason.
1: Yeah, today's episode. Oh my god.
0: BFRBs. Body focused repetitive Repetitive behaviors. behaviors.
1: (laughs) It's gonna (laughs) be the crunchiest audio known to mankind.
0: Yeah, should we just get into it? I
1: mean, yeah, where do we even where do we even start? (laughs) But BFRB stuff is the reason we know each other. So I feel like that's kind of an important (laughs) we only know each other because we're both mentally ill in the same way <laughs> which i think is beautiful i think that's a great way to start any friendship
0: totally absolutely <laughs>
1: and I think it's also interesting we're both afflicted, afflicted but we're both afflicted in like different ways so body focused mm. repetitive behavior is covers like skin picking like compulsive skin picking compulsive hair pulling uh nail biting cheek biting there's like a lot of different versions Mm. of it um I'm sure we'll like get into each of our like versions each of our remixes (laughs) of BFRBs but I am really excited to talk about it more
0: (laughs) yeah again (laughs) again constantly (laughs) yeah you do feel like I don't know. How often do you find that you explain to people what a BFRB is in your life?
1: Very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. I was going to say nowadays, but I don't think I've ever really explained it face-to-face with other people. I'm more of a overshare on the internet, hope that people find that, and let my internet persona speak for me Mm. so that when I do meet people or... I share something about my mental health. They have a little bit of background going mm. into it. And so I'm actually not really used to explaining to people <laughs> straight up, but I think that's something that
0: you have done. Yeah, yeah. well, I feel like I've made it my life. I <laughs> kind of <laughs> but uh, well, I for me, I don't have any internet presence really at all. True. So True. I don't know. I don't. I do also have a BFRB podcast, which I just assume nobody listens to.
1: <laughs> so- it turns out like everybody in the BFRB community kind of knows about it because you're kind of like the podcast. I don't know. No one else really has a podcast like that. Yeah,
0: I guess so. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> shout Um, out to fidget
1: podcast give it a review (laughs) (laughs)
0: um but yeah I guess in person I sort of make it a point to like Mm. explain it to other Mm. people oh hey I like compulsively pick my skin
1: yeah
0: but well I guess I wanted to ask you because I find most people not that they don't care but they don't Mm -hmm. really know how to like it's kind of an underwhelming experience most of the time and I think maybe what I've
1: been learning through the process is that I should also be underwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) I should just match that energy because anytime it does come up in conversation like the conversation I'm imagining is a bunch of my friends and we're all talking about how stressed we are at work Mm. and my BFRB piece that I'll like slide in is I'll say yep that month that quarter that wasn't good that wasn't good for my hair, mm. and what that means is that I pulled my hair a lot because of the stress because it helped me process, but it it becomes just one of many different coping mechanisms <laughs> that we have under this shared experience of
0: mm. stress at work, yeah, I guess you still feel a little intimidated to talk about it.
1: Maybe I haven't been put in that situation, but okay. Frequently. And maybe on the same note of like how underwhelming it is, how kind of irrelevant (laughs) it's become, (laughs) even though it's something it affects me every day and I'm all every day. Mm. There's not a day. I'm not like a cured person. Like I'm not healed forever, but it just doesn't affect me mentally as much as it used to. Right. Yeah. So I think because of that, it doesn't even come to mind that often when I am talking to people or meeting someone new. But if the topic of mental health comes up, um, Mm. I bring it up And the topic of like, oh, like, what do you do for funsies? (laughs) Part of my funsies is doing my support group, too. Mm. And that's honestly, it's easier to tell people I do a mental health support group for compulsive hair pulling than it is to tell people I read like romance smut from the library <laughs> like, so that maybe that's where my hierarchy is right now I'm yeah. like I'd rather tell people about my mental health than tell them about how like the seven smut novels I have sitting <laughs> on my nightstand at all times ever like that i think that's where it is maybe that's the key get a more shameful. <laughs> 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 that, that's my takeaway from this okay. breakdown oh no what do you think
0: <laughs> um the question being like how intimidating it is yeah. yeah yeah well i feel like for me i just had to brute force it like, oh my god it was nuts
1: <laughs> i can't believe when people are like, I don't know how to get over the shame, Jason's like, by climbing the wall. Yes. like <laughs> It's like, be more ashamed. Fear yeah.
0: nothing. Man, I was so ashamed for so long. It was crippling, Joyce. It
1: was. I have so many memories of big events in my life like graduation like prom like those those like core memories but all of them are like tinted with this darkness of insecurity and shame and frustration that it feels really good right now to be like to think that I don't really remember that Mm. clearly anymore I, I remember it still very vaguely but it's right. nice that it feels a little further away.
0: Yeah. Than yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like I think I remember how like sharp ah. the 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 sting of like someone would comment, like, oh Jason, like what happened to your hand? And oh. just like the flood of oh no like they saw like yeah. yeah yeah so now for me to be at this place where it's like oh yeah i like pick my skin like whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um it is it is quite the turnaround but um i don't know maybe we should Start at the quote unquote beginning. Let's back back let's it back, up. Back because it up.
1: I, you know, obviously we have so many, so many great fans of the podcast that they'll listen to anything we have to say. But I do think the folks who are listening to this probably are interested in the topic of BFRBs, the experience mm. of it too. Mm. You and I have lived long lives. <laughs> 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 We've lived long lives and we both were made aware of this pretty young I know Mm. some people they learn about it or figure that out later in life
0: Mm.
1: but I think I started experiencing this when I was like seven or eight okay you're kind of younger or actually you were a little bit older than that
0: yeah I I mean I don't to me, I feel like my story really began when I was like 19. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I did pick my skin before and I was like, you know, anxious and sensitive about it. Uh, But like the, the again, the sharpness of the experience started at 19. Mm -hmm. Um, But so you said for you at like seven or eight?
1: Yeah, seven or eight. I started like Not pulling my hair out immediately, but I would like twirl my hair or just touch my hair a lot. Mm. Um, And usually that was in school when I was reading or really focusing on something. I probably started pulling my hair out when I was maybe 12 or 13. So middle school, beginning of high school.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And during those first few years when I didn't really know anything wrong was happening, I was just kind of losing my hair. Like I was just a thin haired person. I had some bald spots, but the brain wasn't developed enough to figure anything out yet. And I just I just had a general sense that my parents were worried about me and that Mm. they were kind of cautious about my health and trying to make sure everything's okay. But I think they also figured out at some point that my hair wasn't just falling out. My hair was being pulled out. Mm. Yeah. So those first few years were the most visually like dramatic. That's the way I describe it. And maybe that's part of the reason I don't feel so stressed about it now because visually I look neurotypical. <laughs> <Hooray>. <laughs> I look fine. Hooray, we've done it. Like <laughs> We've made it to the to the apex of what I wanted. I <laughs> wanted it to look conventionally attractive um, where it makes it easier, like no one questions if I pull my hair out every day, but back then it was like a given until my mm. hair was gonna grow back, as long as I had bald spots, as long as I had thin areas, as long as my hair was growing back in like weird patterns, then I was always kind of questioned like oh you're still pulling oh why are you still pulling oh why can't you just stop all those kind of questions Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah uh yeah so for me i think i started around 19 i mentioned and i it started i didn't yeah i didn't notice the the action of like picking or scratching at my skin it was just like noticing the residual cuts um so for me it sort of concentrated around my hands. Yeah, and I think initially I just thought, oh, like maybe I just have dry skin or like it's eczema or something like that. Um, So that's kind of how I intuited the cuts. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they just like persisted for Mm -hmm. months, (laughs) you know, like they never healed. And I think they were happening in like strangely like specific places. Mm -hmm. Like there's sort of this one- place on the knuckle of my thumb Mm. but like on the side where Mm. like if I like fold my index finger it like fits perfectly into that cut Ah, and so I'm like oh like I'm sort of like causing this Um, I think another component of it was I thought I was doing it to myself in my sleep or like, or or I feel like I do do it to myself in my sleep or maybe a part of it is like when I'm like half awake, like when you wake Mm -hmm. up in the middle of the night and I'm just kind of like mindlessly scratching. Yeah. So I think that added this, an extra layer of like, it feels like my body's like rebelling against itself. Like my like subconscious is attacking me. That was like, you
1: know, in my process of learning about BFRBs, kind of understanding the conscious, subconscious, unconscious, which mm. are all, you know, different. It mm. was really interesting because I had the similar feeling of why am I doing this to myself? Because mm. nothing was making me pull out my hair and I didn't understand why it was happening but I would pull around the area around my ears. So Mm. what is it? Your temple and then kind of towards the back, kind of anywhere around the ear. Even now, like on one side of my head, if you just lift my hair up, which no one ever does, but if you did, you can really Mm. see like, that's the area that's growing back. Again, just perpetually short Mm. and being pulled at. And on the other side, it's also the part that's the most satisfying because for me, part of the reason that it was so hard to stop was because although it stressed me out to pull out my own hair and to experience hair loss from a young age, it was also stressful to not do it too. Because if I didn't do it, I would just become even more anxious than I was before.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that that experience was hard for me to explain to others, like, why i couldn't even
1: explain it to myself even because logically it doesn't make any (laughs) freaking
0: oh yeah like it was weird that i like gained so much like pleasure or like relief from picking at it like Mm -hmm. i think now that i have more language around it i kind of describe it to others like imagine having a mosquito bite like (gasps) it's like oh like at a certain level you understand okay you can't just keep on scratching at the mosquito bite but also like the the, that burning urge sensation is so strong that it like feels so good to like totally uh, Even
1: even like a higher level than that I've described it as needing to sneeze Hmm. but like you can't get the sneeze out and if you resist sneezing it just makes you want to sneeze even more yeah
0: totally (laughs) totally (laughs) Oh, my yeah. gosh!
1: But again, this was all things that was not uh, not uh, in the brain back uh, then. The experience of like pulling out my hair kind of unconsciously mm. was just met with feelings of shame and like mm. guilt. We talked a lot about how much I hate worrying other people, so mm. physically looking different was a source of worry my Oh when since so oh, since I did it while I was younger and my parents tried to help me through that process too in their mm-hmm. own way mm-hmm. I have seen well I went to my family doctor about it I've been to a dermatologist because they thought my hair was just falling out on its own that they didn't piece together that I was pulling it out yet but I think after they clued in that I was pulling it out They also took me to a Chinese herbalist at one point. That was very exciting and, you know, a new and fun
0: experience. (laughs) (laughs) But I only
1: went once, got this tea that, of course, tastes like ass. Like, (laughs) I don't know what it was supposed to do. I think it was supposed to help my hair grow back. But Chinese herbalist tea, unfortunately, did not help. But it just gave me this message of, I'm in trouble like I just always Mm. felt like I was in trouble with my parents with my teachers like I don't know Mm. all the time
0: (laughs) Mm. yeah I I think for me something that was scary about my BFRB was I felt happy like Mm. it was at a time when I was at university Ah. I was like hanging out with all my friends like it was sort of I don't know. The first I fe- taste of freedom. Totally. I, I I felt this sort of like, oh my gosh, like I I just really enjoy life, and I don't think I was stressed about school or yeah. anything. Like I, you know, like school was challenging or whatnot, but like I don't know. I don't life really. Re- uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life was good, and so to me, that was almost the ultimate betrayal. Of it was mm. why is it that. I'm happy. I'm like doing things. I I think I had like just started like my first ever relationship. I like meeting all my new friends and like yeah, just being at this time where I'm like, hey, this is great. Why is it that my body is like attacking me? Kind of. Um and that was sort of the, the narrative in my head um around my BFRB. And yeah, I don't know. So was... when did
1: you learn what a BFRB? was or get some kind of clue
0: (laughs) yeah well I I think my story is a little like shuffled backwards okay I I felt like I didn't learn until so much later so (sighs) there's an important story that I want to share before that so it's been a few months now of me picking my skin I have these cuts. It made it like very painful to like wash the dishes, like mm-hmm. even just like open doors, like hold pencils. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember this one time when I was like writing a test, and then my hand just starts bleeding. Like one of the cuts, <gasps> no. my hand just opens up, and I'm just like bleeding all over this like exam no. paper. And then I'm like, "Well, that's too bad. Hand it in. I get. You know what I mean? Like, what can I do? <laughs> so." And that just, yeah, the, the shame of that just so gross, like, oh, my gosh, like, what, yeah. what's happening? So this one time, after a few months of this, um, where I had a friend, she she just kind of asked me, I was like, upset about this other thing. And then she's like, Oh, Jason, it's okay. Like, how are you doing? Like, what's wrong? And then I just kind of like started saying, like, oh, like, I don't understand why my hands are so like, so painful, like why it's bleeding. I was just so frustrated by like the many months of this happening. Like I started having a panic attack and I got like really angry. (gasps) Um, I remember I like flipped. It was at um, this like common area in my uh, university. And I like flipped over a table. I like started punching a wall. Um, Yeah, Yeah. my friend like had to restrain me and they called the cops. They like handcuffed me i think they like sedated me i think they gave me like ativan or something i don't know one of those and they yeah sent me to the hospital wow Um,
1: it's like a different life uh, like i can't imagine that you're like the most gentle person uh, i know (laughs) but to imagine all this stress like just coming out of you in that moment Oh.
0: Maybe we should give a trigger warning to this it's... episode. We, 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 maybe that should go out at the beginning. But, okay. um, they knew we were going to get into it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, like, I, I started, like, yeah. physically hurting myself. Like, I was, like, clawing yeah. at, like, the skin on my chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I arrived at the hospital, there were, the, like, the police, two police officers yeah. who were still there. I remember at that point, like, as soon as they handcuffed me, I, like, calmed down a lot and maybe yeah. it was the drugs they gave me, but I, shout so out I just to shout, out to, shout out to those. Um, so I felt like pretty neutral. And then at the hospital, they had me like change into a hospital gown, mm-hmm. or maybe I'd like ripped my shirt at that point. Anyways, I remember like having to take off my shirt. And I there was all these like claw marks on my mm-hmm. skin. And the police officer was like, whoa, and he was like, scared, kind of. He's whoa. like, Oh, my gosh, like, it was really violent looking, totally. and then I remember in that moment, like apologizing to him, like "Oh, like I'm sorry, oh. you had to see that." Oh, um, and then he was like, "No, no, no, You're okay, people pleasing okay.
1: tendencies." <laughs> they should give give you a ticket for people pleasing
0: tendencies in that moment. <laughs> so I I remember that. I remember something the the police officer in wanting to like just make small talk and cheer me up. He like st- he started saying, "I asked like, oh, like." I was like getting to know this cop at the time. Totally, totally. And he's like, what oh, else he... can you do in that moment? <laughs> so I remember him sharing uh a picture. He's like, I'm actually like in movies. Like I'm like part-time cop. Like, but I like sometimes I'm like, I like An act actor. in like, TV oh my TV shows. God. So he like showed me this like movie poster where he's like in the background, and I'm like, hey, that's really cool, man. <laughs>
1: And this was just you like waiting at the hospital
0: for waiting someone to see you? at the hospital with oh the police officer. That was the first night my parents mm. learned about my BFRB oh, because wow. again I've been living away at university and so uh, my parents live maybe like a 2 hour drive mm-hmm. and I think they drove at like 11 p.m. They drove for like 2 hours of to course. come to Vancouver to like find me like handcuffed to a hospital bed thank god and so i was just so like oh i think no. i'm like crying right now i'm no, just like of so course. sad of course <laughs> it's like
1: oh my god like that's the kind of thing no one ever plans for no one ever wants to happen mm. but once you're in it you're like oh
0: shit <laughs> yeah so anyways BSRB so, so, story so what
1: happened like how does that story even end like your parents Still, get there in the middle of the night
0: <laughs> my parents get there the next morning I talked to one of the doctors mm-hmm. and they honestly like they didn't really have anything meaningful yeah. to say to me yeah. they're like oh anxiety's like pretty um, pretty bad pretty well they said it's pretty bad but it's like pretty common for university students yeah i only found this out like years later but what the cops told my parents that night was like maybe jason was like having like a bad like trip like drug trip right, right. and my parents were like no like that's not jason at all they're like, like he's mentally ill
1: <laughs> he doesn't need a substance to do this shit that's something my parents would say to me too <laughs> they're like no Joyce, Joyce doesn't need any help <laughs> getting to that level so i mean they... shout out to that cop for like trying to cover you know in any way he was like drugs is better than you just yeah. being mentally <laughs> ill <laughs> So I'll give your parents the drug
0: story <laughs> oh my gosh so yeah anyways the psychologist i think that the doctor at the hospital yeah. was like what do you want to do yeah. and it was right around like final season uh, of course and so i just like like they released me and yeah. my parents asked me oh do you want to go back to chillac and Aww. i'm like no i want to like finished studying for this test Um, so I just like (gasps) went back to school and um again years later they said they were like really proud of me for like wanting to like go back to school and like I remember because my friends they sort of like knew what happened I mean a few of them were there yeah I just like didn't talk to them at all about it I'm just like let's just study for this test totally totally Um, wow There's this picture of me that is um, it's me and my three friends and uh, it's the day. So I think I got released from the hospital around maybe like 5 p.m., 6 p.m., show up back on campus and dorms, continue to study until like 4 a.m. to like finish this final exam or this like project and then i invited all my like three of my friends over to my place and yeah. at like 4 a.m we made like grilled cheese sandwiches oh my god and in that picture there's still a picture of um like on my wrist the like hospital, hospital band. band wow <laughs> so Damn. yeah i think for a while a long time like i was really ashamed of sort of that picture yeah. but now i can kind of see back and be like oh like i'm really like proud of myself for like yeah again running at the shade mm,
1: no totally because that's the kind of thing i hear and my first reaction is just to think how much deeper that would have pushed me down mm. it's like look at you inconveniencing this police officer who just wants to be an actor you're <laughs> convincing the doctor your parents had to, my parents never had to drive anywhere for, <laughs> um, for any reason, to be honest. But in spite of that, you know, I think it's really brave that you mm. just went back to school, continue what you were doing. It's like maybe, you know, I hope you got some extra sleep after that. But that's like not a regular, that's not a regular BFRB story. You've got like an epic
0: one (laughs) i don't need to share mine now like (laughs) oh no um i mean really quickly on this like i think Mm -hmm. after that they recommended me see the school psychologist so that Mm -hmm. was like my first time kind of being in some sort of therapy uh you asked this of like oh how did you learn about a bfrb like i like nobody told me anything
1: all these different steps and just nobody had a clue I mean same it's like how many specialists did I see as a child and no one could just say yeah it's neurodivergence
0: (laughs) yeah I wonder
1: if my parents would have put me in therapy at any point or if they even thought about it um it would have been interesting
0: this breaks my heart but after so on my like fidget bfrb podcast i yeah. interviewed my mom if people want to hear that that's
1: sp- also the scariest thing <laughs> i could even oh my god
0: um uh, so if you want to hear that conversation um it's out there somewhere on the internet but something that i learned from interviewing my mom i kind of asked her like oh yeah what do you remember from that hospital night uh. blah, blah 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 and she's like yeah like we were scared and like we didn't uh. really know uh, what to do and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Like, how long were you like that? And she's like, yeah, for like two or three years we were worried about you. Oh. And I'm like, oh shit, oh, that's my oh, bad. oh my bad. And apparently they went to see a counselor. Like after that hospital visit, apparently they read books, they yeah. talked to their friends wow. and they went to see a counselor to be like, what's, what do? What's ha- what do? Um, oh. I didn't know any of that until like, last year so yeah. wow um, anyway so my parents went to counseling that's crazy
1: how was or when you went to your university counselor was it mostly like anxiety kind of yeah. conversation like nothing really but that doesn't explain seriously where'd you find out oh, Okay, well. <laughs> Where, like how many how far down the line do we have to go oh
0: my gosh um oh my gosh so let's see, 20. I went to the hospital in 2012.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't find out what a BFRB was until 2020.
1: Bruh. <laughs> eight not, years. Eight, not, that's so auspicious, but damn. So, <laughs> so lucky. So You're so lucky, Jason.
0: Lucky number eight. I, I'm oh glad God. I found it at eight years and not 88 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Oh my and God. And that's what
1: happens to some folks. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, because. So was it just eight years of you kind of thinking you had anxiety
0: and dry skin? Dry skin. Like, this is how messed up it is. I didn't even connect my, like, bad skin to my anxiety. Like, I didn't connect because I think this is how, like, backwards society's view of mental health was. I'm like, I don't have mental health issues. I'm a university student. I got like straight, like my GPA is like, wow. you know, whatever. So
1: In my mental health is quantifiable. Yeah, by... don't worry. I have
0: a letter from the Ministry of Education saying I'm smart and I <laughs> that don't have I'm mental. I'm not health. mentally ill. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well. Your dry
1: skin, mental health correlation, it reminds me how I used to think that I had oily hair. Mm. And this was, you know, kind of my makeup awakening, like makeup, skincare, started learning about that kind of stuff as a teenager. And I just thought, oh, yeah, my hair is like always oily. Um, I must have oily hair. So I'll like buy some different shampoo and like try it out. Turns out my hair is not Oily is just because I touched my hair so much yeah. that it made my hair more oily. Totally. Um, and that was, I'm not joking, I probably figured that out like last year <laughs> <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> like making that connection that, like, wait a minute, my hair doesn't produce its own oil, touching it all the time. Oh my god. And part of that, uh, it was also because I didn't go see. Uh, hairdresser for mm-hmm. more than 10 years yeah yeah throughout this journey of like losing my hair pulling it out not sure anything was happening mm. being very good at lying about my hair yeah.
0: yeah so
1: in that process I wasn't I feel kind of stunted in like learning about
0: Oh, totally! hair
1: and taking care of your hair and styling mm. your hair and mm. all these different things I really like pushed away for a mm. long time mm. because anything associated with my hair just brought me like shame and yes. sadness yes just so, so sad oh. oh
0: yeah how did you find out about trick
1: by the time I figured it out I was already pulling my hair for like maybe four or five years, just kind mm-hmm. of unchecked. Like no one really stopping me, me not knowing anything was wrong. Yeah, I was just kind of left unchecked. So mm. pulling your hair pretty consistently every single day for four or five years does lead to some significant hair loss. Mm. I was called to the like the office at school for the first time in my life because one of the teachers noticed I was pulling out my hair during... Mass one day. Mm. It was like Easter or something. And Mass is so boring.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) And Catholic school is also so boring. But a teacher noticed I was pulling out my hair and then brought me, had me sent to the guidance counselor office where I kind of got this sort of Jesus, take care of yourself, mindfulness. I got a, I remember I got a mindfulness rock. To, oh. you know, hold on to that bitch whenever you want to pull out your hair. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I just remember. feel Again, it's that same feeling of, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Yeah. And now
0: Jesus is involved in it too. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Now you're worrying Jesus.
1: Now, Jesus. now Jesus is ashamed of me too. Oh like,
0: my God.
1: Not that I care too much about what he had to think about me. <laughs> <laughs> but the the feeling remained of like, oh, actually my main takeaway from all mm. the times I've been like caught pulling my hair or someone pointed out. It was never to stop pulling my hair. Mm. The message I got was that I just need to get better at hiding. <laughs> oh, And so I did. It's like you, I had to get better at hiding the fact, like when I pulled, and I had Mm. to get better at hiding the damage that was done Mm. after I pulled. So I learned that I could like part my hair a different way every like three months so that you wouldn't notice the Mm. part on my hair widening Mm. from how much Mm. I pulled it. I learned to like put my hair up, wear hats or bandanas and all that stuff. And it all just reinforced this idea that pulling is fine as long as you can hide it so that nobody comments about it Hmm. but that's a long winded way to get to where i learned what a bfrb was was Hmm. when i was scrolling through tumblr Shout out rest in peace i think they're still live but (laughs) no one uses rest in peace tumblr you formed so much of my brain for me (laughs) (laughs) thank you for your service Um, But on Tumblr, I saw a picture of this girl who had hair loss that looked very similar to mine. Like, she had patches on the side of her head and also Mm. on, like, the crown of her head Mm. that were bald. And then it was a post about trichotillomania. And I'm like, Mm. what is that? That's weird. Oh, my Mm. God. That post I think linked to some article or something like that but the main thing I did is I clicked on the tag and then I saw all these other pictures of girls who look very similar to me in their hair loss experience Mm. and that's when I learned that compulsive hair pulling was something that other people did Mm. wasn't just isolated to me because I never thought to seek it out because yeah why would I I just thought it was just me doing this so
0: Mm. chances
1: of other people engaging were low totally Mm. i
0: i think that's what i reflect on with my experience being like in the medical system is nobody kind of shares this idea that like oh hey other people are going through this too i i sort of more felt like i was in this like petri dish
1: except for that cop who said that anxiety is pretty normal (laughs) ahead of his time
0: (laughs) I guess it's like I I don't think I thought of it as anxiety yet Mm, like I don't even this is something that I get when I talk to other people like people don't even know what when they say anxiety like Mm. I almost didn't know what that meant. You know Uh, what I mean?
1: True. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I'm just
0: like, oh, I'm worried about this. But I don't think this is anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get panic attacks. But that's not anxiety. I didn't even know. Like, it didn't feel. Like, I also now, like, looking back, I call them panic attacks. But back then, I was just like, oh, I was really upset. Or, oh, like. A distressing experience. (laughs) Whatever it is. And like me being in the i remember in that school psychologist office Mm. yeah i just felt like i mean i don't i don't put all the blame on her maybe i wasn't ready in my like journey yet totally like start but i think it goes i i think one element of it is just sort of culturally and maybe this is the asian dimension to it of Mm -hmm. um you know Little Asian boys don't get mental health problems. (laughs) Like, Ah, you know, like, I think that's a white female thing. Uh,
1: Yeah. And I mean, according to Tumblr.com, it was a white female thing. (laughs) So part of me discovering what trichotillomania was, was Mm. also part of me feeling alienated that, Mm. wait a minute, why am I the only one who's not a white girl going Mm. through this? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and especially like considering my family's background of everyone being a computer science person, everyone's so brilliant and smart and successful. Why why was this happening to mm. me? And back to my story about me just getting better at hiding it, I think as I've grown up and like heard more about my cousins that are that I idolized and thought they were super successful, mm. they also got the messaging that hiding things was better then mm. showing your pain showing your struggles mm. but look at where that got us now <laughs> look at where we are now <laughs> yeah
0: that's... um yeah those first few years all the suggestions that were like funneled towards me were oh here try this like topical cream Because yeah. it's very like literally surface level like yes. hey, you need to moisturize more yeah put me on band it was like
1: instead of target instead of addressing the fact that i was pulling out my hair they really focus on how can you just grow your hair back faster better right. i don't know yeah yeah kind of addressing the
0: symptom and not the cause yeah unfortunately. totally unfortunately so uh anyways um i guess there's one more story that i feel necessary to share well mm. Okay. There's honestly, there's too much.
1: There's but so many. <laughs> oh my God. No, my Jesus rock story. That's usually my go-to. That's <laughs> Jesus like, and I'm really grateful that that's like the extent of stress that I felt about it. Hmm. And that maybe I was young enough to just block a lot of stuff out where I didn't feel like it impacted like everything in my life. But it's weird because as I got older and my hair got objectively longer, Mm. I still carried the exact same insecurity like from when I was balding mm. you know, university to post-grad to young adulthood I carried the exact same feeling of insecurity no matter how long my hair got mm. so it started to become a question of is this really about your hair or is this mm-hmm. some kind of like a hair dysmorphia in a way, mm. where no matter what I physically and like objectively look like, I never felt like it was good enough. Right. Like, which becomes another mental component. Yeah. A mental question.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: All right, do you have another story? Well, that you want to throw into
0: so, this. Uh So I've been hospitalized twice because of my wow. BFRB, and the second time was. So after the first time, I went starting to see a school psychologist who, honestly, I don't think I learned anything from. Except for this one time where they were like, hey, yeah, me not really feeling any change. Even with her, I I wasn't almost like ready to talk about my skin. Like I wasn't taught how to like what I'm supposed to share at a psychologist's office. So we we just chatted. Anyways, I don't it wasn't. It wasn't a very good experience, but at, at a certain point, she's like, well, Jason, do you want to try um being on, like, antidepressants, or do you want to try, like, medication? Did you do it's, it? It's hard for me to dig up this memory, because, like, I I didn't feel – I think it was still at this, like, my infancy stage of mental health awareness. I didn't totally. quite know how to connect my skin to – the feelings that I was feeling. Mm. I wasn't feeling anything. That was the issue. It's like, I oh, didn't even have the language to be like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. So, but at a certain point, she's like, do you want to try this medication? Maybe I'll help. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> let's, I-, I don't know. She's like, well, I'll write you the prescription and you can just think about it. Wow. And she didn't really coach me through any of <laughs> no, that other totally. process. And I don't think I felt safe enough to share with her why I didn't want to take it. But I do remember um, meeting with another friend who she had just started taking medication and she kind of talked me through it of like, honestly, Jason, um, I was really scared before taking it. Like I didn't want to like, you know, a a lot of the classic things that we hear when uh, people start taking antidepressants, like, oh, I don't want to like who am i like yeah what's my personality i don't want to change your spark (laughs) totally you know these sorts of things but she's like you know honestly for her she's like i'm enjoying it i feel more myself i have more energy um she kind of described this thing about like you know you're shaving down the the lows and the highs Mm, Um, doesn't
1: feel as extreme as doesn't yeah that's a big one because it's A lot of feelings or a lot of thoughts that I have are kind of all or nothing Mm. thoughts. And yeah, hey, if something can shave it down and I don't have to spend years of my (laughs) life coaching myself into doing that. And it's kind of like, like a assistance, right? Mm. It's like you can still coach yourself into thinking less in,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. in just a
1: binary. But it's nice to just have that. To help you
0: yeah it, mm-hmm. i i think yeah another thought that i had was like oh i don't want to rely on this as a crutch like i think another piece of it is like me starting taking medication was like admitting that like oh this is a and that's real something issue. that is
1: hard to do mm. because up until a certain point i kept wanting to think that I can fix this all by myself Mm. and I would feel really disappointed in myself
0: Mm -hmm. at the
1: idea of needing help either through counseling or medication or Mm. even I even felt like normal coping mechanisms were me not having enough willpower or something yeah so I would do something like I would wear a hat so Mm. that there was a physical barrier between my hand and my head Mm. but then with wearing a hat I would have this weird feeling of guilt of oh like Mm. you need a hat to stop you from pulling like how weak are you really and all thoughts like that so I can't imagine like pharmaceutically
0: (laughs) (laughs) having that feeling as well I I remember because I kind of like felt I was doing this At night, I remember Mm. like wearing gloves to bed, and then when it didn't work because I would just like rip them off. Yeah. Uh, So then I had this idea of like, oh, let me like tie Mm. like the gloves onto my hands, and I basically like made my own version of handcuffs to go to bed. Totally. And I felt like the the shame related Mm. to that. I'm like, am I like a caged animal? You know what I mean? Like I'm just like. Oh god, so... I've asked myself that caged animal question before, and
1: I think the main change that I made Mm. was just leaning into it, and that's part of being ready to admit that you need help, Mm. but when I went from, are you some kind of caged animal? I went from, no, of course not, I have free will and willpower, to actually, maybe... I am, and maybe I need a comfy little like sock on my hand to go to sleep tonight. And there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Yeah, but I need
1: to do my enrichment. I need mm. to improve my enclosure. Right. It is kind of funny how
0: that narrative has changed in my mind over mm-hmm. the. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean. At the time, I wasn't ready to, like, lend myself that compassion. Of course not. So, you know, I remember talking to my friend about it. Mm -hmm. I got the prescription and my parents were visiting that day. And I sort of, like, let them know, hey, like, my, uh, yeah, the doctor, like, wants me to try starting this medication. And my parents initially were like, oh, okay, well, if you think that'll help, like, you know, we support you. So I'm like, okay, then we went to this restaurant. It was this like Chinese seafood
1: yeah.
0: restaurant. My dad ordered like a crab, like right, like just like a full crab. Of course. And you know, dads love seafood. They do. It's true.
1: That's a proven fact. <laughs> That's just a fact. That's just a fact. If you don't like seafood, can't be a dad. I'm can't sorry. Dad. That's how it works. And.
0: <laughs> I remember being in this, like, loud restaurant. Mm. The, the giant crab comes. My dad's like, we're celebrating. Aww. Like, here's this really big thing. And my dad was, like, so, like positive I don't know Mm -hmm. if it was like this like toxic positivity like false like oh this is like really good news like we're celebrating as a family but just him being so happy about it just Mm -hmm. made me like so sad again of like wow like my dad like doesn't get it like he doesn't understand and I think that would just made me really upset again just Mm -hmm. being like how much my parents don't kind of understand what i'm going through mm-hmm. a little bit and uh i remember like breaking open the crab shell and yeah. like the crab juices like going running into my cuts and they oh like sting for that Ooh. reason yeah and i'm just like ah oh. and again i just got so upset i ran out of the restaurant uh i remember like because yeah. it's this like chinese food restaurant where yeah. it all it's like really packed yeah. Um I I had to like jump over a chair oh. and there was this lady just this random lady being like hey you can't do that and she like grabs my shirt and again another thief like it like rips my shirt and I actually
1: like, wow
0: and I just run into the street oh like I'm running God. as fast as I can um and uh I start like kind of like hurting myself again and my mom yeah. like comes and she like kind of pins my arms she's yeah. like no like stop hurting yourself Jason And then, so here's this time where I like start I'm just so upset. Um, I start like biting my own lips. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, no, 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 like don't do that. So she like stuffs her hand into my mouth. Uh, And she's like, mom instincts. Like don't, like don't stop it. She's like, don't stop biting. Like she's like, bite me instead. Uh, And I'm like, no. Like this is worse now. Oh my God. Like stop it, mom. I. (gasps) I just like oh I can't it's so painful, thinking about that thinking about like what we didn't know at the time like yeah. I was so angry at myself and I never wanted to hurt my parents I never wanted to worry about that them yeah. to worry about me and yeah anyway so that was the second time I've uh, so then you went a, to the an hospital ambulance after came that? yeah you know they took me away wow. second time at a hospital again just like. The Did doctor anything, was like,
1: yeah, like whoa! like was it mostly more of the same? Another
0: anxiety attack. Wow. Oh, you're already going to a school psychologist? Keep doing that. Keep it and, up. Oh my god. Oh so my god. that so that was maybe 2014. Yeah. Again. So another two years. 6 two years after the first time, another 6 years before someone is like, maybe this is maybe a mental health thing. I mean, that's so like
1: oh my gosh it's the kind of thing I don't think the average parent is prepared for I think that's pretty fair to say Yeah, but you know it's one of those things where I think your parents just did the best what they can that's really hard I think for for several reasons I don't really talk about it to my parents anymore I think I I have the wonderful painful scale of internalizing everything that I feel at all times (laughs) just to make sure everyone around me doesn't feel anything Mm. about me and maybe it's like the family dynamic that I grew up with where my brother and my parents had a lot of conflict for a few years Mm. and it was also while he was in university so maybe it's this like Asian son university mental health breakdown <laughs> pipeline because a lot of really challenging stuff happened like yeah. with him and my parents so mm. that was also my peak insecurity shame fear about my hair loss and hair pulling where I didn't know what was happening and what I could do about it mm. but in all of that I couldn't tell anybody because yeah. I knew that telling My parents, it, oh my God, it felt like if I were to tell my parents, it almost felt like a betrayal Mm. where I could be the okay kid Mm. while they had, you know, conflict with my brother. It's like, I didn't want to like, let them down in that kind of way.
0: Yeah. I, I think I piled on the comparative suffering so much. Like Mm. I went on to the like Jason, why are you upset? You are in university. Your parents are paying for it. Mm -hmm. You're so so young. Like they're all these things. Like you Mm. have all of these things. You are not allowed to be sad. (laughs) Like Mm. your parents struggled so much. So much. They had nothing. They escaped communist China. Like so totally. I, that was the betrayal for me of like mm. who is this shitty little oh, no. spoiled kid yeah
1: that's absolutely a layer too it's like you've gone through nothing in your nothing. life to do this but then this is kind of like in the future conversation mm. but i think where that feeling like settled for me mm-hmm. or where i'm at with that feeling is kind of this intergenerational trauma outlook on it where my mom had to go through so much they I have two generations of escaping communist China, like it's crazy. My mom escaped well communist Vietnam to come to Canada, but my grandma so my mom's mm. mom left China to Vietnam. oh my
0: God to
1: China, and neither of them had the opportunity to process any any of that that was really mm. happening. I do wonder if like maybe now that I'm again I'm so privileged I'm so safe Mm. I'm so baby Mm. that it's kind of like all these different things are just kind of emerging in me and they're emerging and I have the opportunity to address it because I do know my mom doesn't pull out her hair but she does like twirl her hair Mm. and when I was growing up I would ask her about it and she would always just say oh it just helps me like focus it helps me think better it helps me do that and that's something I also internalize Mm. where in university I was so mad because I truly thought I couldn't be successful or I couldn't think without needing to pull out my hair they were so like interlocked together yeah but yeah this kind of intergenerational trauma like Mm. outlook that I have on it kind of gives me this feeling of oh I get to experience all the shame and pain and suffering because they were dealing with like external pain and
0: suffering Mm. Mm. now
1: it's kind of on me to you know not not like shoulder everyone's drama but to me it feels like it's manifesting in me at this point in time Mm. kind of for a separate reason and that that helps me sleep at night a little better helps me feel a sense of understanding um
0: with that i think sometimes where i'm at with my me being able to process my bfrb now Mm -hmm. is like the pain feels like so close to the surface Mm. but it's almost like my body is ready to face the pain because i'm in this environment that it's safe enough to process safe
1: enough exactly it's like if it wasn't if i had to escape communism yeah again i imagine my flight or fight response the the hierarchy of things to worry about in my mind, it would mm. kick compulsive hair pulling all the way down. It's like you've got bigger fish to fry, right. but we're kind of blessed that we totally. don't, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's almost like a testament to like, mm-hmm. thank you, parents, for like providing me so many oh privileges. My God,
1: I'm gonna cry <laughs> if you start saying this. I'm gonna lose it. But it's so true. Like as much as I think. This generation, like, we want to clown on our parents for like, Mm. they don't know what mental health is. Like, Mm. they don't know what's going on. They don't understand what depression is. Mm. They don't understand that we can like quit our jobs just because we kind of don't like it
0: sometimes.
1: You know, I think as much as some parents do push back on their kids for that, Mm. it really is such a strong testament of how hard they worked so that we can be in this environment where it's actually normal for all of us to like. Be mentally ill <laughs> and see a therapist, and no. you know all these things. Um, that just wasn't an opportunity. That wasn't even an option for them before, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. Holy crap!
1: Ay, uh, oh
0: my god! So Thank where you. Where are
1: we? I know. Shout out! Oh, shout our out! <laughs> Ayo, uh, yeah. I think even though I don't, I didn't, and still don't really talk about it with my parents. Kind of the message that I internalized from that process is when they stop asking me about my hair pulling, when they stop asking me about how's your hair doing, is your hair going back, this and that, Mm. it gave me this sense that they trusted me enough to take care of it. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, (laughs) but that's really the feeling I got because if when they were kind of hovering over me about Mm. it, like, oh, make sure you're using your cream make sure you're drinking your weird Chinese herbal tea it always felt like they couldn't trust me and I mm. and then I couldn't trust myself and we always yeah. come back to the stupid topic of self-trust mm. where before it felt like a betrayal of like my mind and body that I couldn't mm. control my hair pulling but it's just different now. I still can't really control it because I still do it every day. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's like the response that I can control. Right. I don't feel that like shame and stress the yeah. way I did before.
0: Yeah. Or um, I think in that I heard, you know, the term infantilize.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Baby. Hey, baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <She's a> baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think. There's this narrative in my family where I'm like very sensitive. You are, you are the baby. I'm the I'm the baby. And we we're my, both babies. Uh, yeah, like my so. sister's very tough. My parents always say that uh, this about my sister. They're like, oh, like she knows how to take care of herself. Uh... Like people will like try to like rip her off or any or something. But my <laughs> sister, she them just, off. she They'll just burn. pushes back and she's like, no way. And my sister's very good at like. Being strong and independent in that way, yeah. whereas for me, I am very soft. Like, of course, yeah, me too. <laughs> like somebody will try to scam me, and I am like, oh, like I'll feel sorry for the scammer. Yeah, like oh my I'll be gosh, like, well,
1: the fact that they have to resort to this, like totally, oh, yes. I feel bad for that too. Or yeah. it's like I can afford to lose a little money to oh, a scammer. Oh my gosh, I've thought that before too. But yeah, uh, it's interesting to see what like the family narrative is what it becomes and like if it changes i know for some people it just never changes right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i wonder again so scared would not <laughs> want to talk about this to my parents but i do wonder <laughs> i'm i wonder if that was a intentional choice that they make um even now every time i go home they don't really comment on my hair or they don't comment on like the length of my hair anymore (laughs) I think maybe we've just gotten used to like don't talk about Joyce's hair but the one like compliment that I got from my dad a couple of years ago who almost never compliments people is he just while I was like cooking or something Mm. he just pointed out how black my hair is Uh he just said wow your hair is so black so cool Or or, and then I think he said it looks just like mine Mm. and he sounded like very proud about it and I get kind of emotional just thinking about it, because thinking about my hair color and how distant it is from the pulling, it's like, mm. yeah, no matter how much I pull my hair, my hair will still be black as hell mm. <laughs> genetically, and that kind of became something I was grateful for. Yeah. Uh, later on. Yeah. Yeah, no, oh. it's like, thanks, Dad. You gave thanks. me this black ass hair. And now I never <laughs> now I never want to dye it. I've like yeah. thought about dyeing my hair for a few years, but now that my dad said that, I can't do it. Oh, <laughs> ah, I'm tied in. I'm locked oh in too deep. Gosh. I'll just like yeah. buy a wig. It's easier that way.
0: <laughs> I um I remember this one time when my hands were like really bad. This was um after I quit my job. Mm-hmm. And I was going into the the depths of, oh, my yeah. gosh, what I do. I ruined my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, it definitely, like, intensified my skin picking. Totally. Um,
1: Same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember this one time where my parents didn't tell me, but I think, I don't know if I, like, saw my dad text my sister, but mm-hmm. it was I saw this text that said, like, Jason's hands look really bad and they never told that to me but they like texted that to my sister oh no oh no oh um and yeah just almost that's the betrayal of it too like the fact that I can't take care of myself or or
1: they have to hide it from you even it's like oh but we can't hurt his feelings yeah Uh... yeah
0: so I think I put this extra pressure on myself. of Like, oh, I want my hands to be good for them. Yeah. But, you know, we definitely didn't get to this at all. We didn't even talk about how I learned about a BFRB. No. We might need to wrap up soon. I know. But, um, you know, jumping to the end, non-linear storytelling. Totally. Uh, <laughs> um, Like, honestly, where I'm at, listeners, um, is... I, I'm like in a very like comfortable place with my hands now, to the point where you know my my skin looks very smooth and clean, and mm-hmm. like I don't have these cuts. They still pop up sometimes, but yeah. um, I think I make a point of it to like share with my parents now, like mm. all like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, and I relate that to now, like, oh, parents, I want to like show you how my hands look. Yeah, and it's not to be like performative or whatever about mm. it, but it's just to be like, I. I want to give them the peace of mind, I guess. Kind of
1: give them a piece of closure, too. Because they... It's one thing for them to see us, like, at our worst. I didn't even... Like, after I discovered what BFRB was, and I went on all this healing stuff, I still managed to have the most, like, visible bald spots. I had a huge bald Mm. spot on, like, the crown of my head because of stress from work. And they see kind of the lowest points for us, but I think it is worth demonstrating or sharing. Hey, things are better. They Mm. think and things can always change. But right now it's better. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. have to worry. My mom asked me if I was wearing a wig because I have a couple wigs. And she was like, oh yeah, like was that a wig or was that just your hair? And I'm like, that's just my hair. (laughs) Yeah. I felt so proud in that moment. Yeah. And yeah, I, maybe like part of the, the Asian is, is this sort of tie I feel with my parents. Mm. I can't completely just cut them out of the conversation around mm. my trick or my hair or my mm-hmm. life the way that some people do or can mm. or have to, which mm. I think is fair. But I'm really, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just grateful that they are interested enough. <laughs> Hmm. To keep hearing how I'm doing, yeah. I think.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: it's such a long journey though. This uh... episode again could be 17 hours. <laughs> this is why Jason had a BFRB podcast in the first place, actually.
0: Yeah, totally. So, uh, anything
1: you want to end with?
0: Um, this was a point that I sort of i i i did write down that I wanted to bring up. Um, and there's a bunch of middle stuff that we had to jump but i think where i'm at now is you know i'm in this place where i do want to help other people with their bfrb journey and um something that was confusing for me is like like i mentioned it took eight years before i even learned the term bfrb Mm -hmm. and once i did i like immediately i'm like oh my god like this is what i was missing and like the deep dive i just threw myself into of like oh my gosh this was so many years of like never like finally i i I met somebody else who um she pulled Mm. her hair and so i i there was just so much that i wanted to like get to but then now there are people who like you know I like low-key introduce of like oh yeah I do this thing where I pick my skin yeah. and they're like oh my gosh I've never met anybody I do that too yeah and I, and I'm like oh like if you want to learn more about it like let me know but they're yeah. like still afraid like of, yeah they're like not yeah. ready to begin mm. their journey yet and yeah. initially I was a little like frustrated by that a little bit of like what do you mean like the qual- your quality of life can be so much better I yeah. imagine like because I live that yeah we know uh, what it's like to be at that point to- I think I, I at, at one point I had this urgency to like yes. no, no no like I need to tell everyone about it but where I'm at now is like hey I get it. Like, it's scary to confront. Yeah. And I wasn't ready to confront it either, right? Like, mm-hmm. for those eight years. I never Googled it. I probably could have Googled it. I probably should have Googled it. Why Dry am
1: I... skin, skin picking. Totally. 100%. But I wasn't ready to ask myself that question yet. And also to admit that something was wrong. Mm. Also, I didn't want anything to be wrong. So if I didn't acknowledge it, then nothing was wrong. Wow. Oh
0: what a beautiful easy breezy life we could have lived (laughs) oh my gosh so uh, yeah I'm not exactly sure how to package this up but (laughs) this is kind of like the energy that I want to put out Mm. to anybody who's listening yeah of just hey you know when you're ready to start your mental health journey like you'll get there you'll get there yeah and And
1: it's kind of like in a threatening way you'll get there (laughs) whether you like it or not because we all do we all get to a very like a low point Mm. you gotta like hit rock bottom a couple times and then you know and then you find your way
0: you find your way back up yeah so i guess it's like it was scary for me to start and i think For a long time, I was just hoping to like, quote unquote, outgrow
1: my skin picking. Because I've heard that that can happen. Some people just wake up one day and they stop pulling their hair and they go live, laugh, and love (sighs) all over the place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I was just so desperate for that. Like, oh, I hope I can ignore this problem until it like, totally, you know, just disappears yeah um but i think me just really leaning into it and like taking responsibility over Mm. my health of like this isn't gonna get better until i face it and i don't feel ready yet but like so uh, a fellow bfrb what they taught me is like sometimes jason you have to start before you're ready ah so Um, true so so true start before you're ready start before you're ready
1: yeah, yeah, I I think so. The BFRB process, like we can talk for days about how deeply ingrained that shame is, like mm. Asian beauty standards, Asian mm. like mental health standards, although mm. changing,
0: mm. you know,
1: weren't really easy to grow up with. But I think it's I think it's great that we can even meet and have this conversation oh. and meet other people and. That whenever we're in the room together, I always know, I'm like, I always have this thought that we are outnumbering the neurotypical people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, finally! <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have people that really understand what's going on. And I always think that the people in your life, even if they don't have the same condition, if they, even if they don't completely understand what you're going through... They always just want you to be happy. And Mm. they always just want you, yeah, to have a good time. Mm. I think, you know, I used to think that for some reason, the more I suffered, the better things Mm. were. (laughs) But, you know, I'm glad we got to share some parent stories today. Yeah, totally. They are a crucial part to the conversation. And I think it is, you know, very healing just to hear how much. Your parents care about you
0: <laughs> oh my gosh means so much.
1: like just for me to so hear too
0: yeah oh yeah and to you Joyce um I think uh I don't know if I told you this before but like when I first met you um okay. like I reached out because I'm oh my gosh there's another Asian, Asian person, person who has a BFRB um <laughs> and yeah I like I, I I remember like we had that one-on-one call and I was like oh I want to interview you for my podcast and i kind of left feeling like oh my gosh like you were sort of my like bfrb mentor like oh i felt like you were so that's like crazy. advanced in your journey Whoa. of like you've been thinking about this for so long oh, yeah, yeah you're so articulate about it I'm oh. like, i want to like
1: i'm such an angsty teenager that's all you do as an angsty teenager everyone <laughs>
0: um and i think you know that's almost yeah. well we this is how we started the podcast yeah. today but almost ending it like it's really kind of amazing how mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know you only because yeah. I compulsively pick my skit. There's legit no other, <laughs> no reason other we would connection ever connect.
1: I know. That's um, so crazy.
0: <laughs> but it's beautiful, you know, know, like and I just so cherish kind of like the friendship, mm. the podcast that we're having that we get to have now. And Yay. Uh,
1: yeah, and maybe like in maybe like this is kind of a nice tie up for everything Hmm. but it's once you face that fear of Hmm. you know bfrb your mental health once you face that fear and you kind of allow it to just exist in your life you do create opportunities for you to find positives in it Hmm. like when it was just a concept in my head everything about it was negative It never did anything for me. It never helped me in any way. But once I kind of brought it out of my head and like into my life and into the world and I externalized Mm. it a little more, that's when I met so many people and Mm. like got a lot of help, most importantly. Oh, my God. I was not doing myself any favors by hiding it. And I think, you know, sharing your story in any capacity, whether that's telling one person Or even just telling yourself makes the biggest difference. Because, yeah, I think telling yourself, that's kind of step zero. Zero. Usually.
0: totally. Man. Man. Thank
1: you so much for listening.
0: Thanks, everyone, folks. Um, It was a wild one. But uh, (laughs) see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)